Yeah, for me, I actually read this book by myself first uh, to prepare for my calibration talk with my manager. That's how we discuss those chapters uh, week, uh, every two weeks uh, and learn from each other. You want to get a that's right from your other party, from your negotiating party, and not a your right. Like one of the interesting techniques he talks about is the calibrated questions. Hey everyone, welcome to the Ball.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Ball.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. Okay, so yeah, here we are again. And uh, here we are again for another book uh, discussion. So um, yeah, it's, uh, maybe we should start uh, another series of podcasts dedicated to uh, interesting books. Uh, but we came, uh, yeah, we had uh, very enthusiastic responses on uh, last week's episode about uh, team topologies. And uh, I think we're up for another uh, uh, interesting one. So Peter, tell uh, the listeners more about it. Yeah, I will do. And um, indeed, uh, last week's episode was really uh, seen as well with, with the specific sentence we used in the in the promotional material. So, yeah, yeah. In earlier episodes, yeah, we talked about um, the YP program, the Young Professional program, um, and we talked about side projects. Uh, one was called Behind the Mask, uh, the platform for the, the hospitals to share experiences. Another was a real-time sales dashboard. Uh, we talked about the YP program itself more in general. And about uh, participating in competitions, that was uh, recently the story about the Bob C2020 competition. Uh, but this time, um, yeah, we sit together with the representatives of the YP program because they started something really cool, I think. Uh, they started the Young Professional Book Club. And yeah, why do I think it's so cool? Because yeah, they came up with a title I wouldn't think of. And the title of the book they discussed is Never Split the Difference. Uh, it's uh, written by Chris Foss and Tal Rez. I hope I pronounced it correctly. And Chris Foss is a former FBI hosted international kidnapping negotiator. So uh, yeah, this book, um, yeah, he takes you inside the world of uh, high stakes and negotiations and into his head, revealing the skills that helped him and his colleagues succeed with uh, where it matters most, saving lives. So I'm really curious um, why the Young Professional Program choose the, this book. Um, so, yeah, let's introduce the guest, Peter Paul, and find out. Yeah, so uh, in order to do so, we, we found uh, two of our uh, software engineers in the Young Professional Program uh, willing to help us out uh, in this episode. So if uh, Priyanka Raja and uh, Chris Langhout, who are uh, both in the, in the offer highway, basically that's where all the offers of the products that we're selling to our customers and that all the other retailers are selling uh, to them as well, uh, go to our landscape, so it's a quite a data-intensive uh, area. Um, yeah, let's see of, uh, of the high stakes uh, that are there, that they also encounter this while doing all kinds of, uh, of negotiations with, uh, I don't know, uh, peers, um, <laughs> stakeholders, uh, maybe even their managers. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, just, just to uh, uh, check in. Uh, what's your uh, most favorite moment uh, to read a book? Uh? So actually, the, the the book club uh, helped me pick up uh, 
reading books a little bit more uh, again. So um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I would say I'm a fan of reading, but uh, making time to to read is is sometimes quite hard. Uh, so having this sort of this pressure of uh, of reading uh, a few chapters every uh, every two weeks uh, that yeah helps me uh, spend some evenings reading uh, reading the chapters. Yeah, I think for me also it's the same. Uh, but I've actually already read this book, and for me the favorite moment was all the things that I missed reading it by myself, and then reading it together with the YPs. You also notice uh, the differences in the perspective of the writing style, for instance, of the author, and that that was some of my favorite moments. Also checking with the other YPs. Yeah, for me, I'm also uh, starting to feel more pressure to read books because if we have to do a podcast episode on a book every week uh, later, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm feeling some pressure there. Uh, <laughs> let's see how that goes uh, in the coming uh, weeks and, uh, and months. So we, you know what they say, that all CEOs read like one book a week. So you're well on the way then, Peter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, let's hope that you can uh, yeah, further enlighten us on what you discovered in this book. But we wanted to do, uh, yeah, give you a dilemma or a statement for it. Eh? First, eh? for in, in Bold.com, in, uh, this point in, in the year is always where the development talks or year evaluation, year ends, whatever people might call them, are taking place. And uh, of course, a lot of work for engineering managers. And in your opinion, should um, all the engineering managers uh, read this book or be aware of what's in that? Well, in a way, yes, but mostly no, I think. Um, for me, the the talks with the engineer with the engineering managers I've had so far don't really feel like negotiations. So the, the conversations are usually just natural conversations and it's a moment that you hear what's, what's been decided or that you can show off what, uh, what you did. Uh, and I don't necessarily feel that I need to protect my uh, my position there or that I really don't deserve way more than uh, than I get offered. Okay. But maybe if that situation is there, then there, there are, are some useful tips in the book. Uh, cool. for, for you, Priyanka? Yeah, for me, I actually read this book by myself first uh, to prepare for my calibration talk with my manager uh, for my previous uh, team. And I really liked it. I, of course, like uh, Chris said, like uh, the examples in the book and are all um, very urgent, and you don't really feel that at bow. But it's still nice to read. Um, it's the def I would definitely recommend it for anybody. Yeah. So hey, let's structure this uh, talk a bit. Uh, I think it's good to uh, discuss first a bit on uh, why the book club within the YP uh, program, and then uh, talk about the book uh, a little bit more. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's about the initiative. The, um, why did you initiate this? Uh, um, Chris? Yeah. yeah, so first off, um, I think we have to give uh, most credit to uh, Theodora. She's not here today. I th uh, she couldn't make it today, uh, I believe. Um, but she's the initiator of the, of the book club. And she, she just threw in the idea because she really loves reading uh, and she's reading a lot of books. Um, and she wanted to 
have an, that share that experience with uh, with the rest of the young professionals and uh, as part of the the personal development block within the young professional program uh, this this initiative fitted really well in there and that's also why our focus is generally more on the on books that that also have this this learning in it this yeah you know. hey and how does it go in the in the book club what uh, how do you choose the book how are you reading this is it with deadlines or are you really like you said you're reading it together is that literally so uh, reading it together or is it how, how does that work well i think uh, there's a really nice format that we uh, we have um, every two weeks we have a session and we are asked to prepare uh, a number of chapters uh, up front and that's determined every previous meeting and there's a there's an online uh, whiteboard program that we use where we have to uh, add a few stickies uh, to what we found interesting uh, of these chapters that we read what we uh, learned from those chapters and some interesting quotes so that we have uh, we have sessions of i think half an hour where we discuss those stickies and uh, others can like react on the, the findings of others uh, in the book and that's how we discuss those chapters uh, we, uh, no, every two weeks uh, and learn from each other. Exactly. So, so in these conversations that you're having, you basically you read the, uh, a number of chapters uh, in advance, and then you basically take the key takeaway from that chapters and some of the quotes that uh, yeah are quotable, so that you would either post on Instagram maybe even or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hey, do you also then like like um, start bringing structure in the in the in the key takeaways because uh, some are uh, could be uh, I don't know maybe there's something in the book about negotiation tactics and then you say from okay these are negotiation tactics and these are other skills that you could also use for example during another conversation is there are you trying to structure it like that as well? Yeah, usually all the chapters that uh, we combine for one session, um, usually they target one tactic or one principle, one main key takeaway from the book. And then we discuss how uh, that one and towards the end, maybe when we have time, we can look over the quotable quotes for Instagram. But usually it, that's how it is. Yeah, and especially with those negotiation techniques, it's nice to also talk about how uh, could we apply them. Um, because in the book, of course, the, the writer is, is uh, negotiating for the FBI, and those are quite some different situations than that we encounter in, in daily life. Uh, so like also, together, yeah. figuring out how does it, does it fit to our daily lives? And also sometimes, yeah, I think, especially Costas, another young professional, he uh, was really uh, sharing his experiences on how he tried out the techniques we, uh, we discussed or we <laughs> yeah. read about. So what you discuss together is a kind of how how to translate this into uh, into your jobs. That's uh, what you say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you come up with this book um, in the club? Yeah. Um, so all the YPs, they we everybody who takes part in the book club suggests the books that they want to read, and we usually have like a poll, uh, like with every other YP activity, and the book with the highest vote, we pick it for the coming week. And this was a, a first book with the highest votes, so went with this one. Do you have, a, have an idea? Because the, the given that it has this, this high number of votes, it will yeah fill some need of uh, of of the the people in the in the book club, uh, right? Do you, do you have an idea on 
why people voted for this one. I guess it's not because the other books were that bad, right? Mm, no, but I, I I thought it was the name. This is me. My personal view was I I was sold out on the name of the book that I really wanted to read it. But I don't know about Chris. Maybe it was the same thing for the rest of the YPs too. Yeah, I think that the topic uh, was like this this, uh, this writer that is uh, an FBI negotiator that yeah that does have add some value to this to his words or something like that. So I didn't didn't really know what to expect, but it sounds yeah pretty exciting. Uh, yeah that, yeah, that that indeed sounds sounds thrilling, right? But I I just didn't expect upfront if I would have to pick a, a book of all the books that I know, I wouldn't have thought that uh, that the young professionals would come up with a come up with a book about negotiation. Uh, basically, that <laughs> yeah, that's that's why uh, why my questions uh, are here. Yeah, yeah, so maybe also because. <laughs> because we can learn the most in in or yeah, a lot in the in negotiation field. So and I think that's a, quite a common pattern in the professional program that we all aim to to learn uh, learn a lot. Yeah, I was also going to say maybe it's a like a stereotypical IT IT thing maybe <laughs> that to, to develop also on the soft skills side a lot. And yeah, also in the YP program we have three calibrations a year, so maybe that was also a motive to be well prepared for this. Cool. Yeah, maybe let's dive into the book. Um, can you share what what it yeah what the book is about and um, on a more yeah yeah, in depth. yeah for sure. Um, so the book is called Never Split the Difference, and um, so we yeah we already briefly discussed that it's about negotiation uh, techniques, um, and it's the it's just it's a sort of a mix between uh, the writer uh, sharing his uh, his experiences with negotiating and uh, for every technique uh, every technique is a separate chapter and for every technique uh, he writes about a about a, a, a real world example uh, that he encountered or from students that he he taught um, or from uh, from people that he spoke to and those experiences then uh, strengthen in a way his his uh, his more theoretical part of that chapter in where he explains on like why the technique works or what yeah, what, what different meanings or words or yeah so it's a, it's a combination of uh, theory with with uh, experiences and um, um, yeah which which I believe he can uh, use a lot uh, in, in his in his field obviously um, when you read the summary, it says uh, there are nine eff effective principles um, with negotiation, I assume. Which uh, did you find the most eye-opening? I think it's not uh, uh, possible to discuss them all, but I think it's nice to, to pick some. Yeah, I think for me was um, the one where he says you want to get a that's right from your other party, from the negotiating party, and not a your right. Uh, he had a very excellent uh, story for it. Like um, he was trying to get this project from a supervisor who wouldn't let him take it up, and she challenges him by telling, "Hey, uh, go volunteer at the suicide helpline, and if you're successful, then I will give you the project." And he he actually ends up doing that. And this first caller is uh, like a cab driver who's scared to go out, and then he um, the whole conversation 
he, he suggests like, uh, why are you so scared to go out? How many times have you been hurt in the past? And the the caller, the cab driver is like, um, not uh, not not for a long time that I've been hurt. And so the author is kind of directing him to be more um, open to go out. And then he ends up uh, with the call. And then he thinks he did a fantastic job. And then his supervisor tells him that was one of the worst calls he's ever heard in his life. Because the whole conversation, he got the other party to say, you're right, but not that's right. So he didn't really get the caller to um, uh, kind of feel like he came up with the solution himself, um, but rather it was given to him uh, by the author. And that was very eye-opening for me, especially with that example. What about you, Chris? Yeah, so like one of the interesting techniques that he talks about is the calibrated questions. Um, so whenever someone asks you uh, asks you uh, for something, uh, and you can you can just answer it, how am I supposed to do that? And that forces the other party to um, to have empathy for you, and or in a way at least think with you to a solution. Like they have to, you force them to step into your position and see the problem from your from your side, and think about how you can fix it. Yeah, and I think like one one of the other uh, yeah one of the techniques he starts off with is that you have to be feel empathy for the other party to begin with from your uh, for yourself, and with this sort of calibrated question, you also enforce this technique that the other party is using it as well. Exactly. Yeah, I, I felt the same. Like with the he also mentions that uh, you have to label the other part per, the party's emotions, so it also feels like. You understand them, um, and also with the calibrated questions, you're kind of getting them to um, solve the problem together with you, to come to a that's right instead of a you're right. So it was all the principles were a bit intertwined also in some way. Exactly, because also in real life you'll be using them um, uh, not one by one, but uh, in negotiation, you would both show empathy and say, hey, you're, I don't know, enthusiastic about telling about this book because it touched you or you feel you really can learn something uh, from it. And now you're here talking to me very enthusiastic about it. Uh, could you tell me more why it changed you and why you could use it in your own life? Yeah, yeah. It's when you say, you're, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Or yeah, see, yeah. it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Another one, another one is that really interesting. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it's one of the chapters that that I got most of. Of is um, the, the the chapter is called um, uh, "Beware, Yes" and "Master, No." Um, and it's about like really the meaning of of yes and no, and what it what it means is that and sort of. When the other party says no, that's actually the start of the negotiation instead of the end. Um, and then maybe I can share uh, one thing that he, he wrote it down pretty nicely, I think. Um, so um, at first I thought that's sort of automated response signaled the failure of imagination. But then I realized I did the same thing with my teenage son. After I'd say no to him, I often found that I was open to hearing what he had to say. That's because Having protected myself, I could relax and more easily consider the possibilities. 
no is the start of the negotiation, not the end of it. We've been conditioned to fear the word no, but it's a statement of perception far more often than of a fact. It seldom means I have considered all facts and made a rational choice. Instead, no is often a decision, frequently temporary, to maintain the status quo. Change is scary, and no provides a little protection from that scariness. Okay. Well, I can uh, definitely relate to that in the sense that I learned most of my negotiation skills uh, from my kids, and that they definitely see uh, my no as a start of their negotiation. So <laughs> I don't know how that's uh, how that goes in your family, Peter, but uh, yeah, that's what happens here. Uh, it's well. exactly the same. Before Chris said about uh, negotiating uh, and, and and no, uh, I I started thinking of the kids, and then uh, you came up with the kids. So it's it's definitely the same over here. But I also recognize that it's that that we find it really hard to say no because we want to please the others. Uh, and putting it putting it this way, it's uh, it's indeed opening up and and uh, opening up for okay. So I said no. This is my boundary. But is this really my boundary? It can start you thinking right in uh, okay what uh, what what if i do uh, um yeah put my boundary a bit towards the other person uh, what would i gain from it so it's indeed uh, the start of the negotiation yeah, yeah. what i'm done wondering uh and, uh and chris said so if i look at myself so i sometimes see a no as a no and not not as a starter of a negotiation so i'm quite different in that uh, compared to my kids how is that for you does a no for you feel already like a sort of negotiation or maybe after reading this book or was a no a no and ah damn I have to find some uh, something else now what's it for you personally for me it depends on the person okay. <laughs> you know in work context I think I would take it as a no maybe at personal life not so much okay but, but maybe it's the same thing with your kids too I think it's easier for them to take think the no as a starting of a conversation with parents, maybe not so much with teachers at school. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I think it depends on the context as well. I can, I don't really have an example on mind uh, just just yet, but yeah, I guess no generally is indeed a, a no. The, the, like the, it feels as that that no that it's like okay, someone thought of thought of it and it's a no. But like also what yeah, from what I just uh, read, it's no rarely means that so i guess uh, i should pay more content uh, more uh, more 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 uh, focus on it uh, whenever you hear it uh, think of it uh, yeah keep it in mind and i'm thinking of uh, the, the one statement you had before eh? the the creating empathy by saying okay how am i supposed to do that um so as a negotiator, uh, somebody comes up with uh, with a question, and and as as negotiator, you ask the question, okay, how how am I supposed to do that? So the so you want the the other party to think along, but what yeah. if you just say, well, that, that's not my problem. Uh, you go fix this uh, for me. What then? What what's next? I think in the book, the example the author gave was just keep shooting how questions over and over again until they help solve it with you. I've never tried it, but it does sound that it could be quite frustrating. <laughs> but like, for instance, if you say, how am I supposed to do that? And the other party says, that's not my problem. Then you can say uh, that I cannot meet the 
the deal or my side of the deal? How am I supposed to do it without your help or something like that? Just try constantly try uh, bringing them back to solving the problem together with you. But that is also what we found with the author's writing style, I think. It was a bit, yeah, uh, like there was also a lot of, um, how do you say it, an air of self-importance or kind of like a self-assured example. So it was hard to relate to it in real life for us. But I don't know what uh, Chris's opinion is on that. Yeah, I think we had some discussions uh, in the book club as well about uh yeah, the sort of sometimes the cockiness of the of the author, but uh, in other other times we uh, the author writes about his own failures and how he learned from that. So I guess that's yeah, that, those are the, the the nicer points. But and but it does yeah, it added some some fun to the conversation as well. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it something I also can use in? Um for instance, uh, negotiating about uh, buying a kitchen and then uh, talking about the price levels, just Wait. asking for a friend. <laughs> You're delayed, great... uh, Peter. You just bought a kitchen. <laughs> I, yeah, so again, too late with this uh, with this this talk. I know. <laughs> yeah, he has a great uh, principle uh, strategy for it. It's called the Ackerman model. I think Chris can tell a bit more on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, yeah, there's actually pretty good strategies that you can prepare for, and he sort of shares some of it uh, in the book as well. Um, and the Ackerman model is, is really about numbers. So uh, you sort of upfront determine your maximum that, uh, amount that you want to pay, um, and you start off by offering 65% uh, of the maximum price, and that's like quite a low a low hit then. Um, and then, like as a second offer, you go up to 85%, and then to 95%, and then, like, if if you have to go further, you can go up to the to the 100%. But uh, since those increments are like from big to smaller to smaller, uh, it's it sort of gives the, the 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 other other party the feeling that you're like you're really like the, the from the 50, uh, 50 uh, 65%, you're you're really taking a hit to the 85%. So you're taking quite a quite a big hit. Well, yeah, while in your back of your mind, you already have that that 100% in mind. It's it's for me if if you think about it and and putting 65% on the table, it, it it feels like kind of um, uh, embarrassing the other party. So uh, you know what I mean? That uh, it's not so nice to do, but but maybe in in yeah. other negotiations he's talking about, it's 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 fine to do, of course. But uh. yeah. Yeah, it, it really depends on the situation and also on, on cultures as well. Um, um, yeah, yeah. So indeed, for, with, like with more of the techniques, it's so, sometimes when we're talking about it, it's like, oh yeah, it feels quite rude. Uh, but yeah, then then again, the author also writes like, yeah, sometimes you have to be rude. Uh, but yeah, I, I can also imagine that in the case of buying a kitchen, it yeah, <laughs> might not be necessary <laughs> to. <laughs> To go for such a low uh, low hit, and uh, I think the, the the Dutch way is is always try to find a compromise. And uh... exactly, yeah, I think the whole book was channeled towards the whole never split the difference. So some of the strategies may be too hard like this. But one other thing that he mentioned that was really nice was how you can ask for like precise numbers, uh, even when you anchor so uh, low, like Chris mentioned, even if you put like sixty five percent. 
don't make it a round number, like, I don't know, uh, 12,000 for your kitchen. Instead, say something like 11,928 11, uh, 11, or some very specific number. So it feels like you actually did some math and calculation behind it. And I think even with your salary negotiation, that will come really handy that, you know, you thought about uh, the other companies or market and you put in some thoughts so that it would come out more credible. Yeah, is, is that how it works if you put a number like that? It's uh, just trying to get, uh, to get it. Uh, so it gives the, the insight in, in your thoughts and in your, uh, your preparation. That's what you... Uh, what yeah. Yeah, and even if if like even if it doesn't match, just not yeah. having a round number already triggers uh, a bit. That like I think in general the 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 human brain is is like focused on those those nice rounded numbers, and then if it, if it's out of uh, out of line with that, that it it's 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 more it grabs your attention more, and that mm -hmm. helps. And it's yeah, it's a bit of a combination of all those factors that it. Uh, it feels thought, uh, well thought, uh, thought out, and it grabs your attention. Uh. Uh, and on, on top of that, because let's say it wouldn't be 11,000, but uh, 11,628, then I know that I would be thinking, oh, what exactly are they saying and what does that mean? And that it needs more uh, compute power uh, up in my brain than the 11,600, 11, just because yeah. of the 28 added to it. And all the compute power that I spent on thinking, oh, what is this exactly? I can't spend on negotiating and, and thinking my strategy there. So you're basically also uh, yeah, frying my brain if you do that tactic on me. And I can't spend that uh, that uh, thinking power on uh, uh, on negotiating with you. Hmm. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. That was our secret. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I believe there are also uh, some uh, quite some uh, anecdotes in the in the story, uh, in the book. Can you give an example and uh, what you learned from it? Yeah, um, I think uh, from one example was about the uh, with Hillary Clinton. Like uh, she gave this speech or she advocated something, uh, saying that treat the uh, other party with empathy and respect. And she got a lot of backlash for it, but then the author was actually siding with Hillary, saying, um, "You don't have to agree with the uh, with the other party. You just have to understand them." So hearing them out and um, listening to their feelings and the motivation behind their viewpoints or their arguments is already bringing you so much closer to the negotiation. Um, so that one was really nice. That one I liked. Yeah, and there was also another one about this um, devout Christian. Uh, there was a suicide bomber, actually. Uh, this was a very nice example for the paradox of power that he mentioned, uh, that the harder you push, the harder they will resist too. So, for instance, with the suicide bomber, he was already willing to give up his life. So no tactic they use is going to work as smoothly as any in any other context. So uh, what they finally found out was that he was a devout Christian and that uh, the next day was like the third day, the dawn of the third day. I, I don't know what it means, but they mentioned something like, okay, this is the, tomorrow is the day when Jesus left the stone and he ascended to heaven. If the, uh, if Christ could do that, uh, can Watson, the suicide bomber, not? And then he just forfeited immediately. So this was a perfect example for 
like the black swan theory that um, the author was talking about. So things that are like hidden surprises that you previously are unknown, but they have a huge impact. Uh, so it was both a great example for black swan and also the paradox of power. That I really liked. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So rethink and uh, come up with other solutions. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you, Chris, what uh, did you uh, learn from the examples? Yeah, so like one example that yeah, fits again in again with the with the the, the answers of no uh, uh, strategy is was one about uh, uh, one of his students. I think that talk, talked about it. He was working uh, for fundraising uh, in the in like one of the political campaigns in uh, in the United States, and they were doing this classical phone conversations with people. They were, they were calling people and they were saying like, oh yeah, do you uh, do you also think uh, we need to change and uh, um, and asking more of those questions where people would, would automatically say yes to. And then the last question was, are you willing to to give me your credit card uh, details so that you can like help us in uh, fighting for this cause? And then you would they would expect that like the, the the last answer would also be yes, but surprisingly often it it wouldn't be yes. So instead they try to turn it around and asking questions. Uh, so they did sort of ex an experiment, like with a small amount of people in the calls, they would say, like, they turn the questions around, like, are you happy with how the situation is now, and are you going to vote on the same party that's uh, that's uh, um, that, that's in the in the parliament now, and I would uh, would all say no, like, no, I'm not going to do this, no, I'm not going to do this, and then they ask the question, so are you willing to uh, to help us out with uh, with giving us some money, and then because of the no answers people are, are like put more on the spot like okay you're disagreeing with it so like aren't you like then willing to make a change by by giving uh, giving away some money okay, turn it around yeah and that that turned out to work pretty well and so get no first yeah yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> trying yeah. to get as many no as you can <laughs> yeah i also had to believe that if you Bring somebody in the in the flow of no 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 that the next answer also would be no but if you put it like this then this is uh, more logical yeah and then the translation to our daily jobs and routines what did you uh, what did you get out of it what um, what were your conclusions and and translation yeah yeah so it's yeah for some things it's like from his examples, it's quite hard to immediately see. Okay, this is how I'm going to use it, and this is how I'm uh, how it will help me. But in general, I think it's it's good to at least know of the techniques. And when you're in a conversation or when you're like your negotiations are not always so super obvious. I think the most day-to-day -day negotiations are not. Uh, but then at least. It, it would give you some recognition like oh wait this, this we're now in this situation and the theories can sort of help you but like yeah we also didn't read it as like a study material like okay we have to remember this for the next day uh, so it's it's more yeah it's of course mostly you read a book like this for fun um, and the references yeah try to stick um, yeah. but like it's yeah it's just like what do you what you remember uh, is what you remember um, and yeah, for example, the, the Ackermann model we talked about uh, with your kitchen uh, preparations, that could be a nice thing. Uh, like if you're in that situation, you know up front that you're going to have this negotiation. Um, and then there's this model that you can relate to in your preparation. Of, okay, like 
like the, the first step of the, of thinking of, of a maximum price is already a good thing to do um, and then like uh, maybe trying out those those low numbers uh, might might work in your advantage but yeah uh, and in the start of the episode, you said uh, you picked a book because you want to learn a lot, uh, or you said you, we can learn a lot in uh, negotiation skills. Do you think that we should uh, put more attention to that part in in, um, in the young professional program, or more in general in the in the training courses we we have? Just wondering. Yeah, maybe may I can answer. Um, I think it's. Both a yes and a no. We also did a, a negotiation training uh, at some point with uh, with the young professionals, uh, with a yeah, with an external trainer that was like really focused on negotiations, and like um, she also did some like we we had uh, to make some groups, and with a group we had to prepare some some situation, and then we would enter that negotiation, and there would like always be a different technique that that she used to like entirely ruin your plan uh, that you let everything you thought of uh, from so there the you experience yeah yeah and there you you start that, that really like made me see as well that if you if you really master those techniques that that can really help you and yeah but she also had at some point that she was like saying like she apologized halfway through like okay i'm i'm being really mean uh, right now but yeah please don't judge me and they continued for a while and like it yeah it's like from a, I think she was supposed to represent sort of a manager, but it, yeah, it also gave her quite a lot of power because you're the, the young professional that was talking with her. Yeah, it's like it's really hard to to come up with with better arguments than in such a situation. Uh, yeah. I think I think that the part from the book, besides the negotiation, is what we could spend more time on in ball.com, whether it's in the young professional or outside, is the communication part and the, the relatability part and the being able to relate and to think of the, the views of another, that, that there is, is really something we can take from, from this book uh, and also should be uh, maybe spending a little more uh, time uh, on uh, in, in trainings and uh, coaching at, at ball.com uh, as well. We do some stuff there. But I think it will uh, uh, vastly improve uh, communication within teams, uh, um, among teams, uh, and also, uh, yeah, sometimes between, for example, business analysts and, and software engineers. And I think that that's the the uh, part where we could take uh, uh, quite quite a step and could use techniques from this book. Eh? Um, also, the 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 the. the part where he talks about getting information as part of the negotiation tactic. Yeah, that's also an example where you, where the negotiator found out that he's uh, actually a devout Christian. Yeah, that's what you can find out by asking questions instead of just, well, okay, I want this, you want this. No, keep that conversation going. And I think that that's also, uh, uh, yeah, from, from, <laughs> from what I've read of the book and, and the summaries I've read about it, that would be really something that I think that in daily life and in professional life, people could really, uh, yeah, invest in and uh, benefit from in their uh, their careers. For sure, yeah. yeah. And to add to that, um, every now and then we have a speaker in Bol.com uh, talking about a specific topic. And and I think a couple of months ago we had uh, Elke Wiss or so. She's She's the author of the book Socrates on Sneakers. 
I know it's in Dutch, but I'm not sure if it's already translated into English. But one of the takeaways she uh, says was, well, empathy is in fact blocking the conversation. So uh, uh, because you are, uh, maybe I can't recall uh, enough, but, but uh, she had some good examples in, in, in situations where empathy blocked uh, the real in-depth conversation. So it's also nice to read that book and then combine it with this book and see what um, yeah, how, how that relates. Uh, and think of, okay, negotiation, yeah, there should be empathy in, but maybe when you want to have a more in-depth conversation with somebody, then yeah, you should leave it out because you're biased and that kind of stuff. Yeah, oh. uh, quite interesting, yeah, cool. Yeah. I would still think, yeah, uh, I've not read that book, but it's, uh, I would still think, you know, empathy is something what you should have in mind when you go in the conversation. I'm just thinking how we can apply it in our everyday scenario. Like, for instance, if one of your team members uh, builds a system that you don't agree with, uh, then it's always nice to understand uh, their point of view and their feelings behind it. Isn't it always better then to have empathy? Yeah, so then, then it's good, I think, to... Uh to, to to read that book and and understand why she's writing it uh, it down mm -hmm. like that. Um, I, I cannot recall it, so sorry. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we should start reading that book and then discuss it. <laughs> yeah, for the next YP book club. Yeah. 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 Put it on a list. Yeah. Cool. Hey, it's Paul. Uh, heading towards the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. So there you put another book on my list, uh, Peter. Thank you for that. Adding to the pressure <laughs> of that. But of course, from our, uh, our guests, we would like to know what, what's the, the, the most important uh, takeaway uh, from reading this book that you really want to share with our listeners? For me, yeah, the key takeaway is, I would say, always uh, every negotiation is different and, and build emp empathy is very important. And also, like uh, Chris mentioned with the example, sometimes it's um, very important to get the no first and also be okay with the no deal and be ready to walk away. And also try to get the other party involved in your negotiation. So you're solving the problem and it's not you against them. So you can come to that that's right moment instead of a you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think for me as well, it's that that, that all the negotiation, not ever, never, no negotiation is the same. And uh, now the context and stuff really matter really matters and the techniques also like they're not on, on their own but they all blend together um, and that um, maybe also related indeed to what uh, what Peter Paul uh, talked about that it's like even for yourself or for the other party that what what you say or what they say that they want that might not be what they truly want there, there might be something hidden and yeah even for yourself like think about like is what what do I really want uh, it's quite yeah quite important. The communication part is indeed really, really important in the negotiations yeah. and in general. To keep the communication on, uh, going, yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing the, the story about the book club and uh, about uh, especially this book. Um, I really hope that you uh, that you are able to read a lot of books uh, with uh, with the club and uh, and talk about it because, yeah, it's inspiring. It's uh, helpful uh, it, it triggers in in specific topics and uh, um, yeah, there's a lot of 
value uh, in, in doing it like this, I think. For me personally, this, this book, I think, goes also to my uh, list. Uh, the way I do it, I have this uh, wish list option in, in bot.com that I use to put my books on. And, and every now and then I review them and say, okay, now this is the, the next one to read. So this will be on there. So thanks for sharing and uh, triggering curiosity in here. And uh, yeah, hope to see you soon. Yeah, thanks yeah, for thanks having so. us. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Leave a five-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn or mail techlab at ball.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun! <laughs>